Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello. My name is Ed Clementi. I'm your host today for the podcast, and we're very fortunate to have with us Brian Connors, partner, Due East Advisors. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, Ed. Great to be with you. Yeah, and I think that um, the title of your organization, let's start out with sort of uh, what is the Due East Advisors and what is your migration pattern to get to this point, I think, with your organization as well. Sure. Uh, Well, and part of the reason I'm so happy to have this chance to talk about Michigan opportunities with you is because Due East Advisors is a business development consultancy that has been engaged by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation to do business development with mainland China and Taiwan. Um, those uh, listeners who who have known me uh, from from having done this for some time will will also know that uh, our organization has evolved uh, through kind of a restructuring from the Michigan China Innovation Center, which was uh, the title under which we did this work for the last five years. Um, Due East Advisors is uh, is now part of the family of uh, organizations that ultimately reports up into the attraction team. Uh, at the MEDC, doing business attraction and business development for uh, the state of Michigan. It's more than just that, too. You also have boots on the ground, don't you, and a couple of people on your staff? And uh, We do. We do. we got a team. Um, everyone on my team is is bilingual, uh, English and Chinese. And we've got a person in Shanghai in market, um, which has actually been really helpful in order to keep things going during all these um, travel restrictions that we've all been uh, been facing. And uh, speaking, you know, just more from someone who used to teach uh, history and geography, but when you say Chinese, actually, I think you speak fluent Mandarin, correct? That's right. Yeah, Mandarin. And there is a big, not a, but I think it's like, what, 80, 90% speak Mandarin and about 20% Cantonese? Or that sounds wrong? about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Cantonese is spoken generally down in a band of the south. It's kind of close to Hong Kong and Guangzhou, um, Guangdong province in that area. And, and they actually use the same written language, but it's pronounced differently, interestingly. And uh, so the pronunciation is different enough that it's almost like French and Spanish, you know, uh, that, that folks who, you know, are... are native uh, Cantonese speakers, they can understand, you know, pretty much Mandarin, but, but there is a, there is a certain, uh, a certain uh, gap there between those dialects. Yeah. And I think that um, you learn that, I believe uh, you'll have to tell me where Williams college is, is somewhere in Massachusetts. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Yeah. Western Massachusetts in the Berkshire, uh, Berkshire mountains. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I, I started my studies of Chinese there when I arrived uh, freshman year and I guess they, they never stopped. It's a, it's a continuing uh, project to try to keep the Chinese uh, fresh and, and uh, keep learning, learning new words all the time. Yeah. And I, I would imagine, too, and this is more of a because I'm a nerd, but 
how many characters are roughly in the Chinese language? Isn't there like oh, thousands? Oh, it is. Yeah, it is thousands. It's something like 35,000 or something. So it it has, you know, the greatest number of, of characters of any language, any major language. Um, but they say in order to be able to kind of read newspapers, you need to know about 3,000 characters or so that are oh, in. Oh, that's it? Oh. That are in. Yeah, that's it. You can do it. Long weekend, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know a lot of them are sort of like compound words too, where they're sort of a structure of something that's a unique meaning for some origin of one thing. Like it's a certain kind of car. It's not just a truck. It's a pickup truck or something like that. Right. Yeah. No, that's just a, a lot of the, yeah. A lot of words are made up like butterfly or, you know, uh, guardrail or something where it's kind of a combined, you know, combined of, of, of two separate words, but yep. It's, it's a, uh, never a dull moment trying to keep up with the Chinese. Yeah. And so, I mean, Honestly, it's it's more than just you experiencing it and doing it from here in Michigan, but it's also you lived there for a while, right? Oh, I did. Yeah, I, I had the uh, the good of good fortune and good good adventures to to live in um, Beijing for about eight years. I lived in a city in. Uh, in central, uh, kind of central Eastern China called Nanjing for a year as well. Um, and that was kind of earlier on in my career when I was studying abroad there. And, and then, uh, for a time I actually founded and operated a small restaurant and cafe chain too, um, which was, uh, just a wonderful, uh, thing to do kind of in my twenties and, and, uh, into my early thirties. Um, there's no way to you know, get to know a place and, you know, better than I think, uh, interacting with people over over food and, and drink. And we did a lot of that at, uh, at our place in Beijing. Well, sort of foreboding for your future career at the MEDC, just from what I read on your resume, you also were involved with like a hotel, a shopping district, and some neighborhood improvement association, which seems more like a Western concept. But uh, is that something that is not a Western concept? <laughs> I mean, well, it's funny you should say that because uh, I was involved in, in forming that organization. And I think some of my Chinese neighbors also felt that it was a Western concept <laughs> <laughs> and were a little confused by it. But we did. It was, uh, you know, we had a commercial district there and uh, it needed some improvements uh, and uh, the place was starting to look a little run down. So we got people together and 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 uh, through some negotiations, we got a pot of money together and made some improvements to just shrubbery and, and some of the landscape and stuff and it came out great it came out great so, yeah, yeah was was it a hutong or no 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 the hutongs are, are really neat old alleys in the center of beijing uh the the, the location where we did that uh, improvement stuff was out actually in the university district very close to peking university and Tsinghua university Oh. So let, let's say, you know, how this prepared you for what you do now, because obviously trade and uh, economics is critical to everything in the life being, especially, you know, in today's sort of supercharged, sort of polarized world sometimes. Um, how do you navigate that? And what do you how do you help businesses out in Michigan, you know, navigate that probably more importantly? Yeah, no, I think it was, it all um, has been good prep and has culminated in, uh, you know, really being able to do my, my dream job, you know, which is promote my, my hometown, promote my home state, and also do it across cultures. And then that's definitely, you know, China using the language and the business environment, using it in my job is, is kind of a common thread throughout uh, my career. And, you know, now that we're, uh, 
our primary function is to uh, convince foreign investors to choose to put their jobs and their facilities in Michigan. It gives you a chance to really focus the conversation, right? You know, we still are um, interacting with folks. We're building relationships, uh, building friendships. But, um, you know, we also get a chance to really pitch our home state. And, uh, and of course, you know, in, in the process, a lot of times the, the investors will come over and actually do tours of the state of Michigan. So um, it, it's been a real uh fun cultural experience to bring some executives to parts of Michigan that, you know, surely they would never see if they came over on a, a, a recreational tour or something, you know, we're taking them in, into uh, different parts of Michigan, you know, rural, suburban, you name it um, all over the place, but it's, it's a rich experience and it's a, it's definitely a pleasure to be able to do that. Anecdotally, I know you, in our pre-call, we talked a little bit about you've done projects around the state, right? Is there any like ones you might want to highlight, like somewhere we wouldn't expect that, you know, China could have involvement or any Eastern due East country would? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in, in our, we, we uh, do business development with both mainland China and Taiwan um, and companies from, you know, both the mainland in China and Taiwan have come over and set up in Michigan. Uh, we've actually got a pretty sizable cluster. Um, I'd say in this regard, uh, Michigan really punches above its weight, um, you know, partly because of the automotive industry, you know, long after the early ways of the German, Japanese, Korean companies, the Chinese companies are coming. A lot of them are automotive suppliers um, and they tend to, you know, they locate all over the state, just as many of our uh, great manufacturers do. You say kind of, you know, iconic uh, um, projects. I mean, one I'm really proud of is that we uh, were, I think, instrumental in bringing a company called Cidic Dicastle um, to the town of Greenville outside of Grand Rapids. And, you know, part of the reason that was significant was because, um, you know, Greenville was a a company town, um, you know, it had Electrolux there, for a long time and many thousands of jobs. And then the Electrolux facility decamped, I believe, for Mexico. Later on, there was a unisolar facility that was built there to, to hopefully revitalize, but that ended up not um, going well either. So Greenville was relatively hard hit in terms of unemployment. And this uh, manufacturer, which um, incidentally makes aluminum wheels, so not the tires, but the actual wheel itself in aluminum wheels is kind of the wave of the future with a fuel efficiency and light weighting. There's more and more aluminum that's going into vehicles. So anyway, aluminum wheels um, and they, they're making them from, you know, uh, taking bars of aluminum, melting them down, uh, forming them into wheels, doing all the machining, painting everything on site in Greenville. And they employ more than 500 people. So, you know, when that happens, it's it's a great day because um, we're able to land an employer that, uh, you know, it creates more demand for our wonderful Michigan workforce. If you want to go get a job there, great. Um, you know, but regardless, having more uh, employers coming into the state, it brings new opportunities for some folks. It increases demand for everybody's wages as well, right? It just begin uh, lifts uh, uh, lifts all boats, I think, when when those employers decide to come and put up operations here. So yeah, Greenville, um, City Die Castle, that was a that was a great project, and we've got you know dozens of others. And, and so, if some company like a smaller operation they can't afford to hire somebody, you also assist in those areas too. Like if somebody had to go overseas to 
you know, anywhere in the East or do you mainly just work with companies coming here? So I'm not even sure the, uh, yeah, the dimension yeah, sure. of everything you do. Yeah, I mean, we primarily focus on the inbound investment side um, in, in our work with the MEDC. Now, um, another one of your guests, Natalie Chimico, um, works on the trade side. And so they're frequently assisting um, folks, Michigan companies that are looking to increase their exports abroad. And that sometimes involves sales office or warehouse or something, you know, somewhere else, but we're primarily focused on job creation right here in the Great Lakes state. And so, you know, as obviously we go through all these sort of uh, major challenges right now, um, kind of, do you have any like partners you work with, like beyond the MEDC too, or do you have uh like, I don't think you have a board, right? You're kind of an independent consulting firm, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. We don't, but, uh, but in terms of partnerships, I mean, they're they're absolutely indispensable. And every time that we work on a project that's going to land someplace in Michigan, we're we're always doing that in lockstep with our local economic development partners. And as you are well aware, besides uh, MEDC and Lansing, you know, there's a huge network of uh, great professionals uh, in the economic development field um, who in, in their localities play uh, just critical roles for you know, retention, talent programs, um, expansions, you know, you, you name it. Um, so whenever we're going into a place where we're there showing a site, you know, together with our local partners, where they're hammering out a deal um, with, you know, the potential investor together with our local partners. So like, for example, I just mentioned Greenville, that falls in a territory that was serviced, uh, I believe still is with uh, the right place in Grand Rapids. So for that project, you know, I was on the phone uh, all, all the time with, uh, with then was, was Burgett um, and now Mr. Thalen uh, over there ably uh, heading the organization. So um, yeah, we're always working with our local partners and then more broadly in terms of trying to um, have our, our antenna out in the marketplace, uh, trying to identify companies that might have interest in coming and, and choosing Michigan. Uh, for that, we also have kind of a network of different partnerships, mostly in the target market, which for us is, again, mainland China and Taiwan. So we're frequently doing activities and exchanges with different industry associations or different regional players um, in, in parts of, of those markets that, uh, that have concentrations of our best um, kinds of industries, right? You know, we're an automotive place, right? And we're a manufacturing place in Michigan. So, you know, typically we're not over in China talking to, uh, you know, producers of, say, oil machinery or something, right? We're talking with, with counterparts that are complementary to our industry mix over here. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. What do you consider some of your trends that you see coming up either on the horizon or things you think that might disrupt what you're doing too? Yeah, great question. I'm, you know, automotive is still uh, king. I, you know, I'd say part of the reason is, you know, China is the biggest automotive producer in the world or the biggest automotive market in the world. And of course, we're the 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 leader of of the West, you know, arguably the world, but it, certainly in, in the United States, you know, we're the greatest concentration. So it's kind of a, a very natural marriage in the automotive industry. But, you know, beyond that, if you look at 
you know, parts of that industry that are changing quickly. Um, electrification is huge. And um, China is a global leader in electrification. They sell uh, and use a lot more electric vehicles in China at this time uh, than than we do in the states, and that means that a lot of their suppliers for for components and batteries and things like that they've got a lot of powerful players, and some of those players. And we're again, we're not trying to convince them to come to the states. It's when they they're already decided they're coming to the states. We want to convince them to land in Michigan and come and contribute to the local economy here. So electrification, electrical components, that is a big one across China and Taiwan. And another one I'll mention, everybody's been following the, uh, the, the chips uh, crisis that's been happening. This huge shortage of, uh, of microchips, of semiconductors that go into, it turns out everything that we, <laughs> Phones, we everything. Yeah. Uh, every, <laughs> everywhere. And it, you know, everyone suddenly became aware. Um, that, wow. Taiwan, uh, Taiwan turns out makes so many of the world's uh, semiconductors. They just got great companies. They call them fabs, these big fabrication plants, foundries where they actually make the physical, you know, wafers and um, make the chips. There's some terrific Taiwanese companies, and so we are uh, keeping an eye also uh, out for opportunities. You know, as some of that, um, the supply chain for semiconductors onshores or, or reshores, as, you, as it were, with um, to the United States, um, I think there will be some opportunities for Michigan, especially with the automotive demand for semiconductors, uh, for some players who want to be both you know, close to the automotive industry and, and, uh, and able also to find the talent that they need here in Michigan. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't think people have any idea of the overhead that's involved in making microchips. I think it's probably one of the most expensive expensive sort of manufacturing there is in the world. Like I remember reading somewhere, there's like one company in the Netherlands that can even make the machines to do it. And they're like obscene amounts of money to just for one of them. And so it's not that easy to just all of a sudden flip the switch and say, oh, we're going to make a bunch here. We're going to make a bunch there. And so that's a, that's going to be a big challenge, I think, globally for a little while. That's not yeah, going to go. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're doing our best to stay uh, on top of the trends, but it, it sounds like that uh, analysts are saying that the demand will just continue to grow. So we have at this time, not enough capacity for current demand. And there's been a response by companies like TSMC in Taiwan, like uh, Intel and, and others um, who are making big splashy announcements. They're building new fabs. But even at that, I think that demand is supposed to outstrip the that capacity too. So we're, we're hoping that some of those big projects may take a, a good look at, at Michigan. Well, we're down to a few more questions. And um, this one, I think you're a very modest person, but I do believe you got your master's degree from uh, John F. Skinny. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. Um, I had a summer fellowship there, but didn't get a degree. But I did. I was in the John F. Kennedy School, Todman Center, all those kind of places. I'm sure you're familiar with them all. But what advice, if you could go back and talk to yourself, and I know you grew up in Grand Rapids originally, um, what advice would you give somebody, or if you could go back and talk to yourself, or you know, just like what would you tell if your kids right now are about to graduate or junior in high school? What would you tell them to do? <laughs> That's a fun one. Um, I, I I would say you you don't have to have it all figured out yet. I think that's that would be my advice. Um, you know, there are 
some jobs where, you know, for example, if you decide you want to be a surgeon, then there's a pretty set career track that you need to go through your medical school residency and onward. And there you go. And others maybe like being an academic, you know, PA, complete a PhD. And there's kind of a track for that. But the vast majority of, of jobs out there don't follow those kind of, you know, prescribed tracks. And they don't tell you that. I feel like, you know, you sort of, you see, well, there's, there's the law school. Do you want to be a lawyer? And there's a nursing school. Do I want to be a nurse or, you know, but there's so many jobs out there where, you know, if, if you look at, frankly, a lot of us in the field, probably economic development, if you'd asked us when we were 22, you know, what it is, you probably wouldn't even have any idea. And so, you know, my advice is don't freak out if you don't have it figured out yet. Um, you know, grad school, if you intend to do some grad school later, um, actually doesn't matter if it's grad school or just learning as you go, the future learning that you do will, will guide you. So as you, as you go along, you know, just, just learn as much as you can do as well as you can, you know, think critically about your direction and all that, and you're going to do great. And don't, and don't worry about not knowing uh, what the, where the finish line is, um, you know, when you're 20 years old. Well, that's usually my favorite question. You, <laughs> I like to know all the trends and future predictions and people's background, but I mean, I look at my own path and I can see it looking back. I could never have seen it going forward. And so it's funny. It's more of a compass direction, I think, for me than it is like a path, you know. And so that's been fortunate. But, yeah, it's good advice. Um, and I know that uh, there's a ton more questions because I I'm deeply engaged in following what goes on and I know I send you a lot of emails but I I just I'm just so interested that I'm so glad that I'm around at this time in my life because even though I know there's kind of craziness there's also huge opportunities that are happening in the world and if you're a smart person you can figure out niches that you couldn't have figured out 20 years ago that there's ways to do things. And I think you've created that with that open-minded approach. I think you just suggested, uh, hopefully your kids will hear this when they're in high school um, <laughs> and they might go, Oh, Hey, dad had some good advice. Um, anyway, the last question is pretty simple. Uh, what do you like best about you've lived in China, which is not many people have, but um, uh, what do you like best about living in Michigan? Oh, Michigan. Um, Outdoors, yeah, you know, I um, I can't get enough of uh, you know going and just exploring, um, especially the far you know the further. Uh, with no offense to people living in southern Michigan, I'm sure it's beautiful <laughs> there too. I love heading north. Any place up north, uh, you know, it gets to be you know greener, just more trees, more hills, more lakes everywhere, and um, there, there's just uh, enough there to explore for a lifetime. And, um, you know, it's like, it's actually been great in, in pandemic. We, we've been relatively, um, you know, kind of confined to, you know, less flying and all that. And it's been the greatest time of just rediscovering all the beauty that's right in our backyard. So all those, you know, you look at the map, all those green places, all the state forests, national forests, you know, city parks, you name it. It's, uh, it's just an enormous wealth of, of beautiful places to go visit. I, I love, I'm a hiker. You know, I like to, to, to hike. I love to go for a swim in the lake. Um, so, uh, you know, any, any chance I can get out and just see Michigan. 
that's uh, that's what I like to do. One last thing, I should have mentioned this, but um, say someone listens to this podcast because the audience is pretty broad for this. It's not like a narrow niche. People always ask me who listens. I go, you'd be surprised who listens. It might not be like the you know the crowd you'd expect always, but. Where would somebody, if you were a city, you thought you had something you might be interested in, or how could they reach you? Is there a good website or you know a link for you to go to? How would they get a hold of you? Oh yeah, we'd love to love to talk um, to anybody who has uh, is interested, and certainly those who are interested in maybe locating in Michigan, they can find us um, at the MEDC's website, which is MichiganBusiness.org. Um, I think the quickest way after landing on that site would just be to type in my name, Brian Connors. You'll see my contact information there, and the region that we cover, and some great information about our national and international attraction efforts. Well, we're out of time, Brian. Uh, I just want to thank you very much. I know you got a busy schedule. You have to cover the whole world. Um, but uh, we want to thank you again, Brian Connors, partner at the Due East Advisors. Thanks again for taking time to do this today, Brian. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much, Ed. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.